48K News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Steve Dunthorne. Tonight's headlines. The struggling Star Ferry applies to double cross-harbour fares and sink free trips for the elderly. Business leaders say they had a fruitful trip to Bangkok for the Apex Summit, though John Lee comes back COVID positive. And an earthquake in Indonesia kills at least 62 people. Star Ferry has applied to the government to double its fares as it struggles to operate its loss-making cross-harbour services. It also wants to scupper free rides for the elderly, as Wendy Wong reports. The ferry operator has proposed to raise its adult fare to up to $6.40 for each weekday ride between Yuan Chai and Chim Sa Choi, as well as its route between Central and Chim Sa Choi. According to a document sent to Lechco, Star Ferry also wants to raise the cost of weekend and public holiday trips to $8.40. The ferry operator has additionally requested to scrap its free rides for the elderly and replace the plan with the government's $2 subsidised trips. Officials are seeking lawmakers' views on the application. The Executive Council won't meet tomorrow as the Chief Executive is suffering from a mild fever after coming down with COVID-19. John Lee tested positive after returning from his first overseas trip as the SAR's leader. Kelly Yu reports. A spokesman from the CE's office said John Lee had tested negative on rapid tests during his four-day trip to Bangkok, but a PCR test administered on his return to Hong Kong on Sunday night came back positive. The spokesman said the chief executive's condition is okay, adding that he will undergo isolation at home. The spokesman said no other official who accompanied Mr. Lee on his trip has tested positive so far. The chief executive had flown to Bangkok to attend the APEC summit and to tell business leaders there about Hong Kong's dreams as a gateway to the mainland and as a centre for innovation, arts and sports. The Secretary for Commerce and Economic Development, Algonon Yao, says many Thai businesses are interested in investing in the SAR. Wrapping up his trip to Bangkok for the Apex Summit, Mr Yao said he had shared the good stories of Hong Kong with business leaders there. He noted a lot of concessionary policies to attract investments had already been announced in the policy address. Hong Kong SAR government is going to introduce a series of measures and policies to assist with the business settlement in Hong Kong, including land, tax, finance, education, visas, and we set aside some funding as well for co-investments. One of the delegates who accompanied government officials to Bangkok was Cathay Pacific Chairman Patrick Healy. He says that the airline is ramping up the number of flights to Thailand amid a surge in demand since hotel quarantine for tourists and crew was abolished. Mr Healy says the carrier is operating at more than double its August capacity and he's confident in the long-term future. I have complete confidence in the long-term success of Hong Kong as a global aviation hub and complete confidence in Cathay Pacific and our ability to play a role at the very, at the very centre of that hub. The worst is behind us. We're on a very positive trajectory towards uh, a full recovery. As we've said, we believe that we'll achieve a full recovery by the end of 2024, right, so up to 70% by the end of 23, and that's ahead of the IATA traffic forecast for the Asia-Pacific region. Officials in Indonesia say at least 62 people have died after a powerful earthquake shook the province of West Java. A local government official in Tianzhou, the epicentre of the quake, Herman Sermon, told local TV that around 700 people were being treated for injuries, the vast majority of them serious. Mr Sermon warned that the number of dead and injured would likely to rise as the huge scale of the disaster was still unfolding.
A lot of houses were destroyed in the villages and we need heavy equipment for that. A lot of roads were cut off too and we're still gathering information on that side of things. Many people have died. I've got information from the Disaster Mitigation Agency that so far there have been four aftershocks. We hope there'll be no more so that it will be relatively safe for people to stay inside the buildings. A look at the weather. It will be cloudy with occasional showers, isolated thunderstorms tomorrow. Temperatures will range between 22 and 25 degrees. There'll be moderate to fresh easterly winds. They will be strong offshore at first. As for the outlook, it'll be windier with showers being more frequent at times on Wednesday and Thursday. Those showers will decrease gradually in the subsequent couple of days. You're tuned to RTHK. The time is coming up to five minutes past 11. More local news now. Power supplier CLP says it's handing out $200 million to help underprivileged families as LegCo prepares to debate electricity bills tomorrow. One of handouts of $600 will go to 100,000 grassroots families, while 50,000 tenants of subdivided flats will get $800. CLP has warned that bills will go up next year as costs rise. Its chief corporate development officer is Quince Chong. Caring for the underprivileged and the community as well as the youngster have always been, you know, our core values. We come up with different programs at different time, with, uh, which we think is important to meet the evolving needs of the community. And we believe the few cost subsidy program will be able to offer a substantial sum of money to alleviate the financial burden of the underprivileged families. And we hope that we will be able to make the money in good use for the needy. Health officials have reported 7,286 new coronavirus cases, including 614 imported infections. 11 more COVID patients have died. Auction House Christie's has called off the sale of a Tyrannosaurus Rex skeleton days before it was due to go under the hammer here in Hong Kong. The announcement comes after an American fossil company raised doubts about parts of the skeleton named Shen. Aaron Tam reports. The controversy was sparked when Peter Larson, president of the Black Hills Institute of Geological Research in the United States, told the New York Times that parts of Shen looked similar to Stan, another T-Rex skeleton which was sold by Christie's for 31.8 million U.S. dollars in 2020. The Black Hills Institute holds the intellectual property rights to Stan even after its sale and sells replicas of that skeleton. It is very rare for complete dinosaur skeletons to be found, according to the Field Museum in Chicago, one of the largest natural history museums in the world. The museum estimates that the T-Rex, a carnivorous dinosaur which has featured prominently in movies such as those in the Jurassic Park series, to have 380 bones. Christie's has claimed about 80 of Shen's bones were original. Mr. Larson told the Times that it seemed that Shen's owner, who has not been identified, used bones from a Stan replica to complete the skeleton. In a statement to the AFP news agency, Christie's said the 1,400-kilogram skeleton had been withdrawn from its autumn auctions week that starts in Hong Kong on Friday. The auction house said the consigneur had now decided to loan the specimen to a museum for public display. Excavated in the U.S. state of Montana, Shen stands 4.6 meters tall and is 12 meters long. It's thought to be an adult male T-Rex that lived about 67 million years ago. 
The Malaysian opposition leader Anwar Ibrahim has sought backing from the graft-tainted incumbent coalition and his long-time rival to form a government in a bid to gain an edge over opponent Muhyiddin Yassin after an election delivered a hung parliament. But the uncertainty over a new government looks set to persist for at least another day as the Malaysian king extended the deadline for political blocs to forge alliances needed to secure a parliamentary majority. Mr Anwar spoke to reporters after meeting representatives of Barisan Nasional. I'm very pleased uh, the outcome of the meeting we had to um, <clears throat> discuss uh, the issue of uh, a coalition government. Uh, under my leadership. United Nations inspectors are due to go into the Zaporizhia nuclear plant to assess how serious the damage is from recent shelling. More than a dozen blasts were heard in the last two days at the site in southeastern Ukraine, with the Ukrainian and Russian authorities blaming each other for the attacks. The head of the IAEA, Rafael Grossi, described Sunday's attack as another close call. Oli Heinonen is a former Deputy Director General for Safeguards at the IAEA. He said a dangerous game was being played. This is a Russian roulette, so to say. You, you never know when you have the bullet in the revolver and then it fires. So one single shell in the wrong place at the wrong time could have far-reaching consequences. So Mr. Grossi is really sending here an important message. This needs to be stopped. Scientists say they're stunned by what they've learned about the ferocity of the eruption of the Tonga volcano in January this year. When the underwater mountain blew its top, it sent ash and water vapour halfway to space and generated tsunami waves around the globe. Dr Kevin Mackay, a marine geologist at New Zealand's National Institute of Water and Atmospheric Research, says the scale of the eruption was vast. Generally speaking, all life was extinguished um, on the seafloor for certainly around the first 20 or 30 kilometres. So we knew that something really violent had happened and something happened on the seafloor that effectively turned it into a desert. And, and, and I can't stress, um, you know, when I say desert, it was like kilometre after kilometre of just nothing but muddy ripples. Uh, that's not how the seafloor is supposed to look like. In a healthy seafloor you should be seeing track marks from little scurrying animals, little burrowing animals. NASA's Artemis spacecraft is beginning its first orbit of the moon. Scientists face a nervous wait as the unmanned Orion capsule then attempts to enter a larger orbit. The BBC's Rebecca Morrell has more details. NASA's spacecraft is making its closest approach to the moon, sweeping just 130 kilometres above the lunar surface. It's flying above the landing sites of Apollo 11, 12 and 14 before a burn of its engines sets it on a much larger orbit. The capsule is out of contact with mission control during this manoeuvre because it's taking place around the far side of the moon. NASA will be waiting for data and images to be beamed back once a signal returns again. No astronauts are inside the spacecraft this time. Instead, mannequins covered in sensors will reveal what the experience is like. The next step is to get people on board. Sport and ahead of their first match against England at the Football World Cup, Iran's team has stayed silent during the country's national anthem in support for the protests in their home country. The team's support staff and fans also remained quiet. Here's Tarani Stone from BBC Persian. This has been a sign of solidarity with Iranian people. Other athletes have refused to sing the national anthem in the beginning of game. Everyone was waiting to see if the national team will sing the national anthem. That is a good sign, as some social media use, users interpret, but 
many people actually say that this is too little too late. People were asking the national team not to play in this World Cup because of all the protests that is happening in Iran. That game still going on. A few moments ago, England were winning 6-1. Meanwhile, several European nations have shelved plans to wear armbands in support of LGBTQ plus rights at the World Cup in Qatar because of the threat of their players being sanctioned. Football's governing body, FIFA, has warned it was a breach of its rules. From Doha, here's the BBC's Alex Capstick. A joint statement from seven European teams competing at the World Cup said they were disappointed by what they described as an unprecedented ruling from FIFA. While they were prepared to accept a fine for captains wearing the One Love rainbow-coloured armband, the prospect of a booking and a possible suspension has forced them to abandon the plan. For months, the English and Welsh FAs have been seeking clarity from football's global governing body without any answer. This late guidance will only add to their frustration, and it's another example of organisers leaving decisions on controversial topics until the last minute. Wales face US... Uh, sorry, the host Qatar lost 2-0 to Ecuador in the curtain raiser at the Elbite Stadium last night, but action in the group resumes in less than an hour from now, with the African champion Senegal taking on the Netherlands. The Taranga Lions captain, Kalidou Koulibaly, says his team must be brave against a very strong Dutch side. We have a good team, good players, one of the best teams in the world, I think. We know that there will be the team who everybody expects that they will win. Our, our talent, show our quality, show everybody that uh, we, can, we can play against them and show what we can do to win this game. But we know that uh, Holland is a, it's a good team and uh, we will work for it. That game just finished England two, uh, England 6 around 2, uh, Wales face the USA at 3 in the morning our time in their first World Cup match in 64 years. In the NFL, the Dallas Cowboys have run over the Minnesota Vikings 40-3, putting a screeching halt to the Vikings' seven-game winning streak. Our US sports commentator Ray Jovanovic says the Cowboys are the team to watch on US Thanksgiving later this week. Roast turkey, pumpkin pie at NFL football. The Thanksgiving Day NFL tradition started 88 years ago in 1934 when the Detroit Lions hosted the Chicago Bears in Detroit. The Lions will be playing again as they always are. That game really doesn't matter, but there's three games on Turkey Day. The big one, of course, is the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Giants. So the Cowboys and the Giants only have a couple of days rest before they battle on Thanksgiving Day. A week after losing their perfect record, the Eagles are back to winning ways they beat Indianapolis 17-16. A reminder of our top stories, the struggling star ferry applies to double cross-harbour fares and sink free trips for the elderly. Business leaders say they had a fruitful trip to Bangkok for the Apex Summit, though John Lee comes back Covid positive. And an earthquake in Indonesia kills at least 62 people. And that's the news from RTHK. Radio free. Heavenly shades of night are falling. It's twilight time. Out of the mist, your voice is calling. Tis twilight time. When purple colored curtains mark the end of day, I'll hear you, my dear, at twilight time. And a very good Monday night to you, the dying embers, Tuesday literally around the corner and welcome to Twilight Time with me, Peter King, playing music from a bygone era to just chill out and relax too. And if you'd like a song, it's radiopeter at gmail, the email address, 
The first one for you tonight is a beautiful song from Patricia Chan. Please arrange. 